0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe. In the Gun, episode number 83. Time to recap a win over those Duquesne Dukes here on your new favorite WV football podcast. It is In the Gun. I'm Wesley Euler with the best teammates in the business, the signal caller Jed Drenning and the runaway beer truck Owen Schmidt. And as always, this episode of ITG brought to you in part by our friends at Bet Online, your number one source for all your betting needs. You can get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, football, and more. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live bets and your favorite casino and card games, available to play right on your phone. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Make sure you use the promo code BELIEVE when you sign up for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's B-L-E-A-V at BetOnline, where the game starts. And speaking of the game starting, fellas, a uh, look around college football, a little weekend recap before we get into... Some WVU specifics, as always. And, gentlemen, I think kind of the, um, I don't think, I know the most discussed game of the weekend, that Texas-Alabama game down there in Tuscaloosa Saturday night. And not only did the Longhorns win, not only did they hook them down there in Alabama. Uh, pretty decisive fashion there, Owen. A 10-point victory for Texas on the road against Alabama. That, I, I didn't take time to look this up, but I can't imagine that Nick Saban has lost by double digits at home maybe his first year in Alabama when they really struggled and went six and six. But other than that, I don't know if they've ever lost like that.
2: Yeah. And, uh, before the game, Pat McAfee show was at, uh, that's right. Was there for his, uh, debut, not debut, but really to let out some, uh, some juicy nuggets of college football fabulousness, uh, and information with the Zen Lord himself, Nick Saban, uh, Letting him know that Saban's going to be on his show. Yeah, he's gonna he, that's going
1: to be that's going to be a grumpy Nick Saban that he's got to deal oh. with this week.
2: I know, dude. <laughs> oh man, I can only imagine it's going to be a rough interview. But Texas getting it done big,
1: big time. Jed, before before you give your thoughts on Texas Bama, I also wanted to make sure uh, we're all three of us wearing gray here today for a reason. Uh, it's September 11th as we record this, so. Uh, tell us, Jed, while we're all wearing gray and what it means to you, and then give us your thoughts on Texas Bama as well.
3: My man, Chris Gray. Uh, he was working for Cantor Fitzgerald, former Mountaineer quarterback, my best team, my best friend on the team when I played at W. Funniest man I ever met in my life. Uh, working for Cantor Fitzgerald and uh, Tower 2 uh, on nine eleven, and he made it down as far as 40. A friend of his called his family. Uh, they didn't make it out, but – you know what uh i decided long ago this is a day for me you know not to sound trite but a day of uh, of celebrating chris uh he was a huge springsteen fan huge springsteen fan he would hold i saw concerts.
1: i saw you i saw your tweet he would hold
3: yeah that's that's what i do all day east street radio on channel 20 on uh, serious radio uh in honor of chris but he used to hold concerts oh and during camp under the tent And think about what it takes to get everybody to show up 15 minutes early for the first practice during two-a-days. Back when we had two-a-days, everybody was there. Nobody wanted to miss Chris's concert. Hungry heart, all down the playlist. But Chris was the single funniest dude I ever knew. That's how I'm going to remember him. That's how I'm going to celebrate him. Uh, Me and and one of Chris's roommates, Charlie Fedorko, who was a receiver on the team, we always text back and forth. We do anyway, but especially today. And uh, Chris's younger brother, Timmy, we had him on the Learfield pregame show a few years back. Of course, I texted Timmy. And uh, everybody's in good spirits. But, yeah, this is all about remembering Chris and celebrating Chris. And I'm telling you what, Chris would slap you with a wet fish if he found out that you were anything but happy on a day that you're remembering him. Because, I, you know, for another day in the offseason, I'll tell you some Chris Gray stories. But absolutely one of a kind from Manalpa, New Jersey, the son of a mayor, and a different kind of son of a mayor than I am. But uh, Chris was absolutely one of a kind. R.I.P. Brother,
1: I love it. Um, I tell you what, I never met Chris, obviously, but if he was that into Springsteen, I think we would have got along. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm reeling because I was supposed to have two Bruce concerts in Pittsburgh this week, but they both got postponed because he's dealing with some some throat issues. But yes, uh, always remembering Chris Gray uh, every day, but especially on this day is. As uh, you know, it's again, I know by the time this episode drops, it'll it'll be September 12th. But on the 11th here, as we record it, uh, any any Texas Bama thoughts, Jed, before we move on to some of these other, these other games Talk
3: about a grumpy Nick Saban, even by Nick <laughs> standards, that's going to be a grumpy Nick Saban. Right. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, I, I didn't see it necessarily coming. I, I thought that the the lack of rat poison that Alabama has got this offseason, they didn't really haven't really gotten any love. That's that rat poison that Nick hates. Nobody's been patting on him on the behind this offseason. And I thought that he would use that to his advantage. Uh, and maybe Texas is starting to turn that corner under Sarkeesian. But we're, we're about to find out because the old Texas, even if they managed to do something like this, they right, wouldn't would fall, would fall flat on their Wyoming. face. They got yeah. Wyoming at home. That's the kind of game that I'm not saying they lose, but they'd look really ugly. So let's find out if all that talent has finally come through for the Texas Longhorns.
1: Utah-Baylor, I tell you what, a back-and-forth one, low-scoring affair relatively uh, down there in Waco. Utah coming out uh, at the end, kind of crazy situation there. Baylor gets a chance to have an opportunity. They throw a Hail Mary. There's some controversy there on the no-call. I don't know, Jed. I've always been of the opinion, like, to me, when you're throwing the ball up in the end zone – I mean, you're, you're going to have to literally grab somebody by the throat and give them the undertaker, you know, uh, pile driver for, for, for a choke a choke slam from hell for me to get a, a pass interference call in that situation. But I also understand Baylor's gripe. There was a lot of contact on that play.
3: Thinking way back to Ohio State-Miami in the national championship. I mean, it kind of reared its head. But but uh, it reminded me with Dave Aranda squaring off against Kyle Whittingham. You, remember this, you guys know the Spider-Man picture with the cartoons of Spider-Man pointing at each other? Yeah, that's right. That's what that's what Winningham and Aranda are like. It's like they're looking in the mirror and hats off to our guy, friend of the show, Phil Steele. Uh, Phil Steele told us, look, Baylor's going to play a lot tougher football game than people think they're going to play after that Texas State loss. He said, I think Utah is going to have to win a rock fight, come out late and do something special and get out of there barely alive. And that's what they found a way to do. But but credit to Utah. If you want to have a special season, you have to win a, a list of those types of games.
1: Certainly do. Yeah, good start for Utah. I mean, they went at home against Florida. Then they go down to Baylor against the desperate Bears team. Now Baylor drops to 0 and 2. And uh big O, they're not the only ones. I tell you what, Texas Tech was one of those kind of preseason darlings, right? Getting a lot of love, some people picking them as a dark horse to even win the Big 12, uh, ranked at the kind of the back end, you know, the 20 to 25 range and a lot of different polls. But well, don't look now. Texas Tech is 0 and 2 all of a sudden. Lost to Wyoming last week and then had Oregon, you know, top 15 Oregon down in Lubbock that's that's obviously you know no slouch uh no no lack of a challenge there um Texas Tech able to hang in that one played a really strong game but 20 points uh Oregon scores in the fourth quarter to Texas Tech's three and uh ends up the Ducks getting out of there with a one score victory
3: don't they have Texas State
2: here's what I gotta say college football is back
3: baby (laughs) I mean think about it you
2: just never know you, no,
3: you don't. don't. You don't. You, you never know. Don't. That's I mean, that's been, the glory of it. All right. That's what a, I love about it. Right
2: now, we're, it's all rising to the top. Right. It's all starting to come to fruition. So, we'll see. Yeah, you guys got to squeeze it, dog. Got to squeeze it. You'll see what's up. But it's it's been fun watching these last couple of weeks of college football. That's
3: for sure. Yeah. Joey McGuire, this off season, it was. It felt like more of a coronation than an off season. I mean, they had the great finish. They they put the streak together down the stretch. They performed well in the postseason. They had so many guys back on both sides of the football. He There was all this talk of despite the fact you lose a top half of the first round edge rusher and Tyree Wilson. He was claiming, hey, our D-line, I think, is better this year than last year with those NFL games. It's It's been quite the offseason, but quite the rocky start. We talked about the trap game to open the season at Wyoming, up in the mountains in that crazy environment. Well, now you come home, you know you're going to have your hands full against Oregon now. To their credit, it's tough to win under the lights for a visitor in Lubbock, guys. It It, it is very tough. And uh, to their credit, they uh, they swung back, and they had their chances against a very good Oregon team. And uh, they just fell short. But now they're 0-2. Uh, and, you know, they come to Morgantown in a couple of weeks, and there was a lot of chatter that, hey, what if they upset Oregon? They might be 3-0 and and pushing the top 10, at least the top fifteen. Yeah. Not yeah. so much sitting there at zero and two, so a different script and what they expected. Now, you know what 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 what, what kind of character do they have. How do they overcome adversity? Because they're they've been handed a bucket load of it.
1: They certainly have. And uh, you know what? Speaking of overcoming, let's roll with that theme. Another team starting out zero and two, the Nebraska Cornhuskers here in the Matt Rule era uh maybe the opposite of colorado in the Deion sanders era 2 and 0 start convincing jed uh 22 point victory over nebraska at home in a 10 a.m. kickoff there in boulder i mean i tell you what that'll get them that'll get them ready for some big 12 play here starting next season right but uh, colorado ranked they're going to stay there convincing win against nebraska 2 and 0 already i tell you what this uh these prime boys aren't going away anytime soon jed
3: Well, let's hit Nebraska first. Uh, I'm going to give you a list of the worst coaching records against top 25 teams. Mike Loxley has the worst record. Coming into the season, he was 2 and 23 against top 25 teams. Jeff Halfley at Boston College, he was 1 and 9 coming into the season. Coming into the season, Matt Rule was 2 and 16 against ranked teams. This now makes him 2 and 17. Uh, they they lost a heartbreaker in the opener to Minnesota. His wins against ranked teams were both at Temple, East Carolina, and Navy. He's two and seventeen, mm-hmm. and he's trying to rebuild one of the biggest brands in all of college football. Meanwhile, on the other side, we talked old school with Rule. It doesn't get much more new school than Dion. And once again, they passed and passed with absolute flying colors. I continue to be wildly impressed by Shadir Sanders. The environment in Boulder. Wow, did you see that? And for
1: a 10 a.m. game too. That's a insane. game.
3: It's, it's no accident. People are saying, come on, Colorado State next week. Really? ESPN Game Day is going to boulder. You betcha they're going to boulder. Because part of it is when ESPN Game Day is putting these schedules together, they're projecting a hit. Hey, let's strike where the iron's hot. Dion's not going to be undefeated forever. Or is he? Right. Okay. Again, I'm not him I'm he? done selling him out. But at the same time, it's pretty clever on their part. It's a home game. Uh, they're 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 trying to get some buzz. ESPN is so why wouldn't you go to Boulder? You know it's it's an in-state rivalry game, not much of one really, but but to Colorado it means something to those people. Did you see the pictures? Speaking of Tuscaloosa, yeah. I mean, there, there's like there's like ESPN game day fatigue in Tuscaloosa.
1: Well, I mean, they're Jed, when they're been they, there, so many times they've been so. there. Someone posted like in the 15 years that Nick Saban's been there, they've been there like 31 times.
3: Yeah, I think the word they they have a word it's insane for ESPN game day in Tuscaloosa. That word is.
1: Oh no, right as Jed froze on us.
3: We're never, never
1: going to find out what that word is, big o. Oh no. What's the word? What's the word? Oh no, no, not Jed. Yeah, right, well. Tell us. To be to be fair, I mean, we're just going to we're going to have to wait with bated breath here until Jed gets back. He told us before before we started recording, Jed told us he was having some internet issues. So we'll give him a minute here. I'm sure he'll just have to to reboot the Zoom and and hop back in here, but Man, oh, and that's that's a great tease there by Jed. I tell
2: you, I mean, he couldn't that have timed a great tease. and, and <laughs> to go back any to, better. Absolutely, and to go back to Colorado a little bit, I mean, dude, you know what he's doing on the football field is amazing. But if you get some of these insight, what he's doing with he's really he's coaching these young these boys to be men. Absolutely, I mean, some of these teachings that he's going through it's way beyond football it's 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 really maturing these kids out and uh it's awesome to see a coach putting that kind of real-
1: complete completely agree oh no oh and you got me there i think i'm losing you too
2: <laughs> oh geez
1: this is classic wait Owen, oh, you got me you there oh I think Owen's lagging a little bit too. I tell you what, folks. It's it's just one of those days here when it rains, it pours, right? But that's okay. We'll see. We'll get we'll get Owen. We'll get Jed tapped in here. I mean, I tell you what, it's just it's it's gonna be it's gonna be one of them times, I tell you, folks. Oh, geez, now I'm the only one on here. All right. Well now you just got me. Okay, we'll get Jed, we'll get Owen. Back in here. Here's what we're going to do. We'll take our break now. All right. We had a couple more topics that we were going to discuss. We'll take our break now. We'll get this figured out. We'll come back with Jed and Owen. Um, before we go to break, uh, big thank you to uh, one of our presenting sponsors, Toothman Ford. As always, folks, we all know cars cost less than Grafton. Make sure you're getting your butt to Grafton for all of your vehicle needs. They do uh, so much for our student athletes and NIL. Make sure you're uh, supporting those who support the Mountaineers and support this podcast.
0: Nobody supports the blue and gold Mountaineers like Toothman Ford. With over 20 NIL deals and counting, Toothman Ford continues to rally behind our student athletes. And it's time we rally and support the dealer that supports the Mountaineers. Not only does Toothman Ford offer the best prices in the state on pre-owned, their never-over MSRP campaign on new Fords guaranteed Guarantee to, to save, save you,
3: thousands. you
0: thousands. Drive with pride all season long, knowing you're supporting the dealer that fuels our Mountaineers. Toothman Ford, where cars. Cost less in Grafton and at 4com
1: For more West Virginia Mountaineer football content, be sure to follow us on Twitter at
2: InTheGunPodcast.
1: For nearly 20 years, Fortis has been the nation's leader in providing guaranteed roof performance programs for commercial buildings. Fortis offers roof performance solutions that feature extensive initial and ongoing reconditioning for commercial buildings as an alternative to traditional replacement with long-term performance guarantees that are backed by global leader Lloyds of London. Fortis offers a comprehensive range of roof performance management programs that provide financial security, extend the life of our customers' roofs, and make a significant impact on ROI. Fortis is currently improving performance and increasing ROI for customers at more than 4,800 locations. With more than 140 million square feet protected, including many Fortune 500 companies that have turned to Fortis to save money, gain financial certainty, and extend the life of their existing roofs. Fortis has helped customers save more than $520 million in capital roof replacement costs for an average ROI of over 250%. To learn more, visit Fortis.us.com. Fortis. Roof performance and financial certainty guaranteed.
2: Let's go, Mountaineer fans. You're tuned in to In the Gun with Wes, the runaway beer truck, and the signal caller.
1: All right, back in the gun due to some technical difficulties. The greatest unintentional tease ever, Jed, down in Tuscaloosa. What do they call college game day?
3: You guys have any guesses?
1: Would you go ahead, Would you give us the answer before you cut out again? It's gonna be a double tease
3: <laughs> because they call it, they, they call it Saturday. That's what they call it. I knew it was oh, something They like, call it Saturday. I, I know. All right, guys. I'm done. On, I'll see dog. you later.
0: Thank you very much. I'll see you guys. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen,
1: that was Sean Big Daddy Mariner. No, it's time to catch up with our friend, your friend, the mayor of Morgantown himself, Mr. Big Daddy Mariner. Now, Sean, I don't want to give anything away to those yes. who haven't been able to go to a game yet, but I just, I got to give you guys, there's... They've got Rashid Marshall worked into a little hype thing going on. They got the NWO worked into a little hype thing going on. Bra- Bravo, good sir, by you, Chris O, everybody involved. Great stuff uh, Saturday Chris night o, against Duquesne. Chris Chriso,
0: Chris O, Chris O, that's all him. He For the for the NWO, we won't spoil it, but he called me in two days before. He said, I had an idea on the drive home. He started to press play. I watched two seconds, and I walked out. I said, yeah, that'll work. Uh, <laughs> one more, One more little tease. There might be some different stuff in the entrance video this week as well. That's it. We're done.
2: Oh, baby. State
1: secrets. I can't wait. All right, Jed, since you're the one with the in the volatile place here, all right, you know, Jed, Jed's internet connection is like my stomach after 18 Miller Lights and a dozen chicken wings on a Saturday night, okay? We're in a volatile place here right now. So, Jed, uh, get into some of your Duquesne thoughts here in case we lose you.
3: <laughs> How is it my internet was better in 2005? in my house than, than it is today, right? That's just, <laughs> let's start with that. But, uh, okay, you know, we had obviously the delay that we have to talk about. Uh, we spent the better part of an hour and a half to two hours inside the facility, the way that worked out. Um, typically what happens, for those who haven't been in the locker room at, at halftime, the, it's a big building. It's a big weight room that leads into a big locker room. The defense usually works their way into the actual locker room, the offense and offensive staff stay out in the weight room area on the turf and the benches and chairs out there. That's the same type of thing that happened during the delay. Now, when the delay first started, there was a lot of pent-up energy. It, it had a halftime vibe to it. You're coming right off the field. You were just in action five minutes earlier. So, for instance, I heard D. Hawkins just lighting the defense up. In other words, it was one of these rah-rah, get your act together, this isn't acceptable, that type of thing. Well, Mike Joseph quickly realized we need to pace ourselves, okay? So when he started to piece this together, being, you know, it's not an accident that he's one of the best in the business, he came in and said, hey, it's time to calm down. It's time to regroup. You guys need to rest, and let's take it from there. So we knew the rule was lightning strike within eight eight miles is a 30-minute reset on the clock. So we kept getting, like, Rick Baker was in there with us, and he was getting text, And you'd hear him off on the other side of the the room. Another reset, another reset. Well, I'm sitting there with Matt Horn, our state trooper, great Matt, and Jeff Castillo, And we're all just kind of telling war stories, right, from the better part of the last 30 years. And uh, next thing you know, boom, another strike above us. We're like 18 minutes into the reset. Now it's another 30-minute reset. Then you finally realize it's approaching a point where we think we're going to go back. But before that happened, Big Daddy, were you in there with the pizza? The pizza came through the door, strapped to a gurney. I was like, is this dead pizza? But there were giant boxes of pizza. So we got pizza. Duquesne got chicken strips. Pizza prevailed. So as you saw, we took the field. I mean, Neil addressed both the the offense and the defense and then the team at large. And, you know, it was effective. I think that served us well. And uh, we took the field. We we were a different team, Uh, really within four minutes of game time. The game was over after we took the field. We had the quick touchdown, a quick stop, another quick touchdown. It's 28 to 10, and we're kind of just carving them up like we should have from the outset at that point. But like a lot of what I saw in the throw game, like a lot of what I saw before we get into Hudson, like like a lot of what I saw in the run game, uh, there were three plays with Garrett that kind of stick out. I always thought that he was an incredibly lethal two-minute style quarterback because He has the arm, the pop in his arm, but he also has the ability with his legs to make things happen. Well, there was a three-play sequence, and on that three-play sequence, we were up 28 to 10, and it was inside two minutes. We were a two-minute drill. Garrett, against a four-man rush, didn't like to look downfield. He kind of had the curl and the offset, but he decided instead, boom, he saw a crease. He hit it. 17 yards later, easy pickup. Next snap. Garrett gets punched right in the mouth by the nose guard, 300 pounds, who penetrated clean, pretty cleanly. Garrett took a heck of a shot and threw a perfect crease route, a bench route, from the right hash to the wide side of the field to Preston Fox, stood tall, took the shot, boom. So that was play number two. And then play number three, we went vertical and he made a great throw up the seam. He hit Preston Fox for the score. What happened was that that linebacker that was trying to cover Preston Fox recognized he was kind of shorthanded athletically, so he kind of had to turn his hips to keep pace. And Garrett recognized the body language and the coverage angle of that backer and threw it behind Preston's back mm-hmm. hip, and he just flipped away from the backer. So bang, 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 three brilliant plays. Got what we wanted out of CJ. Obviously got what we wanted. Out of uh, Jaheim, I mean, Jalen made some plays for us too, some two back sets, but Jaheim continues to improve more and more and more. But the story of the night was, and it was kind of, they were being a little hush hush on the sidelines in terms of why Devon wasn't starting. Right, he got he he got tweaked midweek in practice, didn't mm-hmm. appear quite to be full speed before the game, and Neil told him he's like, dude, you don't look full speed. I'm, it, it's not worth it. I'm sitting here. I'm not gonna have you aggravate something. So literally, minutes before the game, Huddy found out you're going in and you're starting. And you talk about making the most of your opportunity. Five catches, 177 yards, three touchdowns. There's a reason he's the story of the game. You know, we were standing in the locker room. Big Daddy, weren't you in there? hmm Yep. Okay, you, that's right, you were. You were the Garrett up for me. Yeah, yep. me and Big Daddy were both in there when he made the announcement. And obviously, it's gone viral on Twitter and social media when he, you know, tagged him with the scholarship. And the truth of the matter is, he's been coming along so much. Hudson has that that was probably going to happen sometime in the coming weeks, but you just couldn't resist the perfect timing, the perfect performance being rewarded. And people have asked, well, hey, how could you miss on him? How could how could he have no true offers coming out of Martinsburg? Well, you know, to Neil's credit, he's like, well, hey, we missed on him. But there's a couple of things to consider here. First of all, he tracks as one of the five fastest guys on this team right now, probably the second fastest receiver we have. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's mid-22s, high-22s in the GPS. He's 22-7 Neil said today. 22 seven thank you he's legit fast he now he showed up with speed but he didn't show up with that speed so a year plus into it with Mike Joseph a he's gotten a lot faster but B he showed up at like a buck 70. he's pushing 200 pounds guys and that's 25 plus pounds of Mike Joseph induced muscle so he's a different player as productive as he was at Martinsburg he's even a different player now than he was then. And then let's jump to the defensive side. And I'm going to wrap up my Duquesne take because I want you guys to jump in. On the defensive side of the football, I mean, there were some things I liked in terms of getting pressure. I continue to like what what Mike Lockhart's doing, both against the pass and against the run. I mean, he's a guy that's managing to eat space and play gaps and penetrate. That's asking a lot. I like where that rotation's at. I, I continue to love what I see out of Trey Latham. Again, some more reps mixed up between Mike and Will. So that answer, that question hasn't been asked in two weeks for a reason. When these guys cross-trained, both are playing a little bit of both. But uh big Sean Martin, Owen, you and I talked about it when you called me yesterday. Sean Martin, I, I'm telling you, when 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 that motor's on, whew, that motor is on. I mean, and he's he he's a faster than a guy that size you might expect. Watch him chase that quarterback in the backside and the pursuit that he puts on him, the heat that he puts on him forces a quick throw Beanie. I mean, we're going to get into more about Beanie as this week progresses, but the Willie hate the Willie Mays moment. I call it the say, Hey, pick. He's now my say, Hey kid guys. I'm nicknaming him already. I'm anointing him my say, Hey kid. But uh, you talk about playing the ball in the air and what a knack he has for that guys. He didn't see that football. He was playing that wide out defending him perfectly and reacted to the wideout to snatch that thing. So what a play he made. Aubrey Burks, I'm telling you, that guy eats film. I mean, he diagnoses so many things that they're doing offensively, whether it's the quick throw game or the run game. You see him fly downhill into his run fit. You see him fly downhill and hit the flat when he's manned up on number three. Uh, number three from the wide side, I should say. But uh, he, he can make some plays for us now. A couple things that were giving us problems. And again, we'll explore this more as we get into the pit matchup. But one of the things that was happening, we worried about it last week. I said, this quarterback comes in at about 220. He's strong. He's a little slippery. He's tough to to bring down. What was my concern? He's going to shake loose. He's going to break contain. And against a struggling secondary, he's going to say, hey, instead of covers for the three or four seconds that you typically struggle with anyway, how about I add another three or four seconds to it by breaking the pocket? And that's exactly what happened in some of those big plays. And part of it was uh, – Owen, oh, you can talk about this as well. When we're stunting and we're twisting, sometimes that works against you when you're trying to keep contain because the quarterback can kind of bounce outside of that twist. That happened a couple times. But we're going to have to find a way this week against Pitt to absolutely keep contain against a quarterback who has the skill set to do that very thing as well. Extend plays, put maximum pressure and stress on your secondary. And when we're trying to find ourselves in the back end, that's the last thing they need. But but guys, that's the way I saw it, uh, both the good and the bad.
2: Yeah, I mean, a lot That'd of good, good, good play, Jim. a lot of good play. And uh, you kind of summed everything up. Honestly, I loved our running back play. I thought the guys that got in there, the, you could really see the, the zone kind of develop as the game went on um, and how those guys are really starting to really read the play correctly you know, you're seeing a lot more uh bounce plays because they're trusting the reads, right? So we're getting outside on those reads. And um, I thought that was great. You know, like you said, uh Bishop's catch was absolutely insane. I flipped out, I was like, dude, what the hell just happened there? And uh and uh, 84 coming up huge. I mean, can you I, I can only imagine the uh feelings inside of his chest when coach was like, hey you got to start today. You know what I mean? I'm sure he was completely jacked up kind of a weird game. You know, you're playing a couple, a couple minutes. And then all of a sudden you're sitting out for two hours, basically. Like now you're cold again. Like, how do you restart? How do you recoup? But so many cool things we did see. And and obviously the, the stuff that we struggled with, we got to keep working on that. You know what I mean? But that's sometimes what's nice about having, you know, a quote unquote tune up game. You know, you can kind of get away with a couple things and take some chances too, but you can really start to see those things that we did last week. We made some improvements, made some adjustments. They worked. Um, yeah, we came out a little flat. Um, not the same atmosphere as I'm sure Penn State was, but uh, I think there's going to be plenty of energy rolling around the stadium this Saturday because, baby, it's the schmidt Pit time. <laughs>
1: Big Daddy, what did you do during the two-hour delay?
0: So I'm the one that had to put the alert and then the radar up on the board and just sit in the control room the whole time. We're we're right next to the command post, so the head of operations came in, told us this is what we need to do, is given our PA the reads and all that stuff. I will say I do like the new radar system. They've got a new app. We we showed on the board um, you can show this is the eight-mile radius, and it has little icons where lightning is actually hitting. So you can watch it in real time. So that's how we knew like, oh boy, we're going to be here a while (laughs) Just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. So I I thought that was really cool. Jed, I was not down there for the pizza delivery. I'm a little sad. I missed it. Um, But what I do love is I love hearing you guys talk about this stuff because we do media now on Monday. So I'm fresh from media. Everything you guys are saying are almost word for word verbatim things that were talked about by the coaching staff. Oh, and uh, Coach Scott talked about Jaheem today, trusting his reads. It took him a while to get there. Then finally, he's understanding you can't just outrun people. Uh, Jed, people were talking almost word for word about the, the catch, how it was the say, hey, catch. Like Beanie said, I didn't even see it until it was right. Th- like, this is this is the stuff that, that you guys are dead on, and I love and the beauty of oh, it, guys, buddy.
3: we talk about keeping things vanilla, keeping things basic, keeping things simple. Now, we do have coverage wrinkles. Neil's talked about this. We have coverage wrinkles that we put in after Penn State, but you want to reserve those for Pit. You don't want them on tape. But, Owen, oh, you even talked about you're going to install that fake screen look. We've had in the playbook for a while that we scored. The Huddy had its easiest touchdown. Here's the beauty of it, guys. That's attached to so much of what we do in the run game, those perimeter screens. Yes. In other words, there there's an RPO element to that, and, and Garrett's reading that. So if the numbers favor the screen, you pop the screen out. If the numbers don't, you give the ball on the RP, the run part of the RPO. But here's the deal if Pitt's corners are watching tape and they want to be over aggressive and fly up and take that screen out, they might slide the brakes on just a little bit, saying, whoa, 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 if you're going to play that game. So it gives them a little something to think about as well.
2: Yeah, no, I am I definitely already talked to Coach Osborne, our OC here at uh, – we had practice here at uh, 5.30 when we stayed after, talk shop a little bit, and I was like, bro, we got to put this play in. I was like – because we use a lot of the bubble stuff and uh, the bubble screen game, and just to have something that looks like the play, you know, there's no real change up. You're not changing a formation. You're not doing anything crazy. It's the same thing, but like you said, Jed, now that could be a whole nother read, just like rerunning a route, you know, based on coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, Like totally. you said, if they want to come up, bam, I would tell them, Hey, slip them and Garrett. And those guys should be able to read that on the fly oh, yeah. uh, when he's, when he's going to throw the bubble. I mean, it, honestly, and it, and I, there you don't see passes where there's no hitch in the step and like, when somebody hits somebody that in stride, it's a thing of beauty, man. Oh, it's yeah. a thing of beauty. I was like, "Let's
3: go, son!" Absolutely. I mean, you're starting
2: to dial in, it doesn't matter who you're playing with. That that connection right there is on the money, and it was it was it. I'm telling you, I got I got excited. I chugged a couple of Miller lights after that play.
3: Well, and the orchestration of the offense for all the indictments against it when it struggles and we don't popping up big plays structurally, what's fun to see is it's fun to watch an offense, irrespective of who they're playing. I don't care if you're playing the number one ranked team in the country, you're playing an FCS team. If you have answers to what the other team is trying to do to you. Now, early on, Owen, we talked so much about the stretch play. It's one of our bread and butters. And it's the fact that the the running backs are getting the flow and getting the feel and understanding those reads. They're going to bounce it. They're going to bend it. They're going to bang it. Well, the defense... Recognizes that too, and one of the things that Duquesne was trying to do to their credit is they were trying to play with the edges. So, in other words, whichever direction we were running the stretch play to, they were trying to crash wide from the from the perimeter with that perimeter defender. Okay, so one time on the goal line, remember Hudson's first touchdown? What happened on that on that slant? What happened on that? We were running an RPO, a stretch play to that they side, to Hudson's side. The will backer crashed trying to attack the perimeter of the stretch play. Well, what happens is Hudson fills that void behind the wheel backer crashing to slant. Jarrett's reading him as the conflict defender. Oh, you're going to try and outnumber us in the run game. Well, thank you. Bop, quick slant touchdown. So it's an answer to what the defense is trying to do to adjust to you, and that's the type of thing you like to see well executed. That's the type of thing that you need to make some big plays on. Absolutely.
1: They did. Good start. And let's carry that over into, uh, I guess, the, you know, the second most notable athletic program out of Pittsburgh who's coming down to Morgantown on Saturday. All right. Sean's Shout out real of-
3: fast, West Nico, when Nico gets moving and strokes it, that's that's pretty. That's hey, pretty. Nice. That when he gets moving Aaron, up, That's pretty. But go that ahead.
0: one where he threw back
3: across to Jeremiah, it hit him. I mean, that was yes, the way. That might have been the prettiest play of the game. I told Nico on the sidelines. And one more thing about Nico, I texted you guys when he started to go into game. When he had that drive, which, when uh, when Rodney tried to outstretch that thing past the pylon. First of all, you never do that pass fourth down. Bill Belichick says you only do it at the last play of the game, so you certainly don't do it in that situation. He's a freshman. We'll do it again. But that cost us a score on that drive. Nico came off. He's frustrated. that The offense didn't punch it in. He said, we're going to punch one in. We're going to punch one in. I looked at him and said, dude, if you don't punch three in, I want to be pissed. (laughs) He said, you got three. You got three. I walk in the locker room after the game. He's sitting in his locker. From a distance, I gave him the three fingers up. He gives me the three fingers back, (laughs) smiling like the butcher's dog. Great night for both both quarterbacks. I love it. I love it.
1: Uh, One quarterback who was not smiling like a butcher's dog Saturday night was – yeah, that jerk from Pitt, Phil Jerkovich. Uh Sean, just real quick. I mean, do, do you think we should boo on Saturday night? No, is, is little no. is little Phil gonna if, be able if to I handle could, that? if I
0: can speak directly to the fans for a second. Let's let's be courteous, you know? Let's be quiet. Let's be calm. It, it was already gonna be bad, right? Then you see that guy's comments and and all i've seen is every person i know on social just like what why on earth would you say for a guy who's from the area who should know a thing or two about this yes. bulletin board material is the last thing you want to do even if it's not directed towards us we're going to pick up on it and oh my god i am excited for when the teams run on the first time after our entrance video just to see if we can shake the whole
3: glass out of our windows in front of us, like it's going to be insane. Big Daddy, I want, to, I want to ask you a question, because I think we all fared pretty well in projecting what to, what to expect at Penn State. We 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 all came pretty close with that. We were, right? Yeah. What I'm guessing for this, and I have reasons for guessing it. Ten years since, ten years plus last year since the game had been played in Pittsburgh, the backyard brawl. This is ten years plus since its last. Been played in morgantown i i Mm -hmm. I expect now granted it was i'm not gonna say the novelty was worn off because the the 10-year drought it was over last year this is still the drought in morgantown last time was 2011 it's been 12 years i think if pittsburgh which is always flat as a pancake under any circumstances when pitts playing football if that stadium yeah. It was truly as electric yeah. as it proved to be last year. It never has a pulse and it was gyrating like the Himalayas. Yeah. If that stadium could do that because of the Pitt, West Virginia drought, what can Mountaineer Field do? I, I'm telling you, I expect an atmosphere maybe like we haven't seen at Mountaineer yeah. Field. Maybe. We we have been
0: making jokes for weeks since we knew it was gonna be in that game and everything like it. We could just make fart noises into the microphone rather than play music, <laughs> and this place is gonna explode for anything and everything. Like it's, it's. I'm well, careful, very careful with
1: the fart noises because you might make Pitt feel at home. Uh, yeah, That might That's get true. comfortable. Understood. That's Nailed true. it. Cha-ching. Nailed it. Oh, buddy, I we can't wait. See, Listen,
3: for later in the week, we got to check copyright laws on uh, D Bag of the Year, the song. We've we've got to get it in there. Yes. We, <laughs> yeah. I listened to his pressure today, and I man, it was hard just to listen to 20 minutes. It's, I just, it's hard. Listen,
1: guys, I've ever – since Saturday night, I've been biting my tongue. All right? I Listen, I just yeah. – Sean, I said to these guys before we started recording, half joking, half serious, like – because Owen made a joke about he said we're going to beat him by 28 points on Saturday night. I said if we beat him if we beat Pitt by 28 points on Saturday night, I'm going to get fired from my job for all the vile stuff I'm going to tweet yeah. at Pat <laughs> Narduzzi on. Yeah.
0: And, and and I I have never blamed anybody the you know the joke is always if we're up 28 in the fourth quarter beat traffic like all that. If we are up 28 in the fourth quarter, if we are up 58 Ten. in the fourth quarter. Uh-huh every single person is going to stay in their seats just to sing afterwards like it is it's going to be maybe
1: maybe maybe we boo for like five minutes before we sing country wait until they clear the
0: field and then yeah
1: (laughs) big daddy buddy uh we are uh very kind very kind of you we're very appreciative of all the time that you give us every single week always happy Uh, I know you, like me, uh, different different parts of the, uh, the geography, right? But we both uh, grew up looking forward to this game. It was always Thanksgiving or Black Friday when you and I were kids. Mm-hmm. It's obviously not quite the same having it in September as an out-of-conference game as it is yeah. at the end of the season in a conference game. But uh, to have those guys back at Mountaineer Field for the first time since 2011 will certainly stir some emotion. So, I'm buddy, great. I'm jacked up. I know you're jacked up, and I can't wait to see what you guys do with the show.
0: Let me ask you before I go. We'll make this quick. Do all of you have a play, one play that sticks out in your mind from a home uh, West Virginia Pitt game yes. at Mountaineer Field? Yes. Hit me, John Pinnigan. That that's yeah. the first one that comes to mind, right? Yeah. Owen, what was yours? Because you were part of. I mean, uh, Jamal Adai had the pick six to end the game that one year when you were here.
2: That was good. But even before that, I I'm with uh, I'm with Jed. Yeah. There was something so iconic about that play and it just I remember seeing it. They used to have a picture of it in the stadium. I'm sure it's been removed or whatever or moved or whatever. Yeah. But uh it was just you know remember it was just different, you know what I mean? And that and that was such a huge thing and a motivating tool for us, uh you know, in the years that I was there. I'm in a car with my best friend. It was
0: freshman year, so I was home on break. I couldn't get tickets for it. We're driving to the Ohio Valley Mall listening to it on the on the radio. And Karidi lost his mind as we are pulling in to go do something like Unreal. The the video will be featured
3: heavily. Fear not. Guys, fourth down right before the half. Yes. That was fourth and four, fourth and five. And Rich put it up, thinking that corner might be nibbling on something underneath. If yep. I had a close number two, and this is just showing me showing my age, Haas' bootleg 83. Rate, 83. 83. Right. I was gonna yeah. say when he t- and yeah. kneels down, that is such a good yes.
0: moment. I think I was Bittenkurt gonna say I'll show
1: I'll show my age. How about Bitten Kurt in 09? And how yeah. about Stedman Bailey?
0: the stiffy was in the, the chin in 2011 when we have been building the entrance video working with our new video guy andrew he's been incredible he's tried to soak up as much knowledge about the program as he can has he's been cutting stuff i said please put the stiff arm in and he goes he did not stiff arm in lsu it's like andrew please go to my folder on the server
3: i have the yes. place saved yes. to find the stiff arm just put it in please <laughs> and Stu, guys before the bittenkirk kick Stu was so stoic but after the kick, I, I can honestly say, I don't think at any point in my life, other than we had our two kids and looking at my wife, have I seen a happier heart with these guys yeah. I mean, looking at Coach Stewart after Bittencourt nailed that field goal.
1: I remember Scooter, Scooter Barry coming over to the student section and just crying his eyes out. <laughs> Julian Miller's senior night in 2011
0: when he has all those – like, Yes. so many memories, I get so emotional. Like this is the biggest game. I, I'm, so, I'm so pumped. I'm so pumped for Saturday so,
1: you mentioned that that 2011 game real quick when the Mountaineers had like 37 sacks and were able to come back from 14 points down and win that game a big part of that final drive where the Mountaineers took the lead everybody remembers the fourth down conversion right from Mm -hmm. from Gino from Gino to Tavon like the fourth and six I think it was like it wasn't a gimme fourth down by any means that they converted there earlier in that drive as well too Uh, We were facing getting ready to face a fourth down and Aaron Donald took a personal foul for a late hit on Geno Smith. So there was that clip that was going around of yes, Aaron so Donald oh, running down Geno Smith and, and 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 you know gets the gets the gets the late that's hit true. call. That's true. Yeah. Yep. That's true. Yeah. Oh, first thing God. I had. I'm I'm sitting in the I'm sitting in the booth doing the post game for Steelers Steelers Niners on Sunday, watching the highlights, and I'm like, ah, that's not the first time Aaron Donald took an ill advised roughing the passer penalty against Geno Smith. I've, I've seen it. That. I've seen that before. I tell you. I tell you. Sean, we're going to uh, wrap this up here. Normally we just close down with you, but since we had some technical stuff, we got one or two more things to hit here. Uh, Buddy, thanks for your time as always. And, uh, again, excited to see what you guys got up your sleeve for Saturday night.
0: Thank you, folks. We'll see all of you Saturday night.
1: Hey, brother. There's our guy, Big Daddy, Sean Mariner. When you see the hype videos, when you see the NWO, brother, what you going to do And Sean Mariner and Chris Austin run wild on you? It's going to be fantastic. Like I said, I don't want to ruin too much, but these guys have me ready to run through a brick wall before Duquesne. I can only imagine I what it's going to be like. I hope it works. Like, thinking
3: pit <laughs> panthers. Buddy,
1: listen, we know you'll do your part as always. You Thank want you. a
3: real-time update, Wes? Okay, go ahead. As we tape this, Peyton Manning in complete disbelief seeing Aaron Rodgers get on the cart. Aaron Rodgers has been carted off the Jets game. What? As we're taping oh, right now. Wow.
1: Mm. Oh my goodness! Green Bay
3: needs
0: sixty percent of all plays played to get that uh, to get that extra draft pick. So well, that, you might
1: you might be in trouble. Hurts the heart. <laughs> Big Daddy, thanks, partner. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, thanks guys. Good. All right, wrap it up. Number 83, episode 83 here of ITG, our Duquesne recap. Uh, when we had those technical issues earlier, one of the uh, games around college football that we didn't get a chance to discuss, of course, was Cincinnati and Pitt, an old Big East uh, rivalry, uh, another one that not nearly to the same extent of the backyard brawl, but a rivalry with some history, a rivalry that went away there for for a little while. I'm um, an anticipated game. Cincinnati gets out to a big lead. Pitt ends up coming back. They have a chance to win it. Uh, their offense stalls and Jerkovich isn't able to get much done. That's what leads to some of that booing that, that that you heard us talking about earlier. Um, But guys, that that game went about as perfectly without, you know, I made the joke last week. Let's hope that game goes into seven overtimes. Right. And they just beat yeah. the crap out, out of each other. Realistically though, that was about as best as it could go. Cincinnati gets out to a huge lead, pit claws back, they think they're about to win it, and then they end up falling short, and their fan base is cantankerous, and their and their quarterback is pouting like a little baby, and their head coach is all over the place and his press conferences as well, too. Aside from a seven overtime knock, knock down, drag out type fight. I, I think, you know what? I think we might we might have got him in the position that we want.
2: I agree. I mean, it would have been nice for them to be you know 2 and 0 coming in in the matchup yeah uh, just to create some of it but uh i think they're a little salty in the bottom end there and uh they're going to be hungry for some revenge as they uh come off that old big east foe uh loss up there in pit and you know here's what i'm gonna say it's going to be electric son the beer truck's rolling in town, dog. We're gonna be heavily sedated with Miller Lite beverages. No trust loggers. Trust loggers. I'm telling you, it is going. Yeah. Oh, trust. Yes. Trust loggers. Having a plentiful of the trust logger. In they hand. got
1: them. They got them. In, they got them in the stadium, big o. I tell you what, buddy.
2: Fifteen percentile. They're getting all the fifteen percent for me. I'm telling you that much. Those cans <laughs> are everywhere in that state. They are. They are. It's I mean, awesome. Dude, it's so cool. It's uh, What a great idea. It's it's awesome. But yes, I'm going to have my share. I'll keep my tabs so that uh, it's... You best. can see Let's how much you donated. Game. Let's do an over-under on the amount of donations that Wes and I will make on Saturday. I'm going to say... Truck. I'll tell you... I'll I'm tell not you driving either, so... Same, same. I'm saying... You're welcome. I'm going to drink at least fifteen <laughs> trust
1: loggers. Well, Big O, every trust lager that you drink in the stadium, a dollar fifty goes to the WVU NIL. So Is it
3: ten bucks. There we go.
1: Oh, no, it's eleven bucks. So actually, you're right. Oh. It's 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 what it's, yeah, it's like a dollar
3: sixty
1: five. Yeah. <laughs> oh,
2: how
3: about that? So that's quite a donation. I'm doing fifteen but, of them, uh, guys. I Probably think they're buying a case before I get into town too. They're coming into somewhat of a potential hornet's nest. It was, uh, as you touched on, Wes, that was a physical game. That, that kind of reminded me of our Penn State game. Yeah. We, we talked last week about how they could be in for a nasty bit of a, a rock fight. We didn't think Cincinnati would find a way to finish it and win it. But Cincinnati's D-line, I'm telling you, when you look at Corleone, Jawan Briggs, that, that group is nasty. And, I mean, that running back's better than advertised. So give him credit. They found a way in a very physical football game. It goes back to the old saying. Don't let one game beat you twice. Well, right. let's hope the pit does that, and I think that they might have been a little peak ahead. So the game that could beat them twice isn't the Cincinnati game; it's actually the West Virginia game. So I think that kind of caught up to them, and Cincinnati's better than they expected. But Owen, oh, you talked about it. If they come in here two and zero, oh, that's great. But it's also great that we have a chance if to they, send them. They leave season, one and two. Oh and two against the Big Twelve. That's so right. I like that's that right. idea. But that was a physical game they played in. I was kind of hoping that Stormfront would head north to Pittsburgh and delay their game as well. Yeah, there you it go. Didn't happen, but I'll take the physicality of that matchup against Cincinnati last week. So uh Jed, before we get out of here, we got a spread on that pit game, don't we? Yeah, we do. It keeps bouncing back and forth. A buddy of mine saw Pitt minus one, and then I saw West Virginia minus one. I think it's a simple function of where you look, but where I land is it's gonna be an interesting thing to monitor for the rest of the week. It seems to be like maybe one of those lines that will float a little bit through the course of the week. And again, I have to think guys, if you're looking at the body of work through two games, our Penn state game against their Cincinnati game, they were favored by four and a half and got beat at home. And you know, we were three touchdown underdogs and basically got beat by three touchdowns in the last seconds. Uh, and then you kind of wash the FCS games or the other games, right? So uh, what's the what's the difference here uh, to me it would be the environment the venue the most electric crowd we've even by Mountaineer field standards seen in a long time shouldn't that be worth a couple points i think it should yeah, but better be not, that's why vegas makes the money
1: well um i'm Listen, it's it's going to be it's going to end up being, I think, a point, point and a half either way. You know, by the time we, we get to Saturday afternoon, that's what you want. That's what you expect in a rivalry game uh, does feel like one of those coin flip games. Right. Where it'll come down to just a couple key moments. And uh, hopefully that atmosphere, hopefully our crowd will be part of, um, you know, what what propels us to victory, which gives us that little extra oomph. Uh, on Saturday night, we'll have a ton of pit content for you guys this week. Obviously, we'll have our full preview later in the week with we'll Phil Steele, uh, as well too. Our Phil episodes where he'll be deep diving into his thoughts from a neutral national perspective on the game as well too. So it's Brawl Week, baby. We're fired up. We're ready to go. And as the great Jack Fleming would have said, "There's only two words that matter this week: Beat, Pit." For our producer, our guy in the back, Skylar Callahan, the runaway beer truck, Jed Drenning. Jed, runaway beer truck, Jed Drenning, I'm all excited <laughs> now. The runaway beer truck, Owen Schmidt, and the signal caller, Jed Drenning. I'm Wesley Euler, folks. Thanks for listening. The one thing we ask of you, as always, is to be an ear and tell an ear about your new favorite WV football podcast. Plenty more coming at you this week. It's brawl week, baby. Get fired up. Get ready to go. And if you're making your way to Morgantown on Saturday night, be ready to represent that'll do it for us today but plenty more coming at you this week take care and we'll talk soon you've been in the gun
0: thank you for listening
2: to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube